Hello and welcome to the Swine Disease Reporting System. This is the podcast for the report uh, 23, which is uh, available uh, in January of uh, 2020. So we have a, a, a special guest here today, Dr. Cesar Corzo, joining from University of Minnesota. And uh, as usual, my name is Daniel Linares at Iowa State. Hello, my name is Giovanni Trevisan from Iowa State. Hello, my name is Edson Magalhães from Iowa State. So in the in this report, we have lots to discuss. Per season is here. Uh, increasing, we see increasing activity in the in sow herds. We see still a, a high level of uh, activity, relatively high level of activity in growth finish cases. And uh, PD, Delta, Mycoplasma, those are aligned with expectation in terms of PCR detection. And in the disease uh, diagnosis page, we will talk about uh, high activity of detection of PERS, flu, myco for respiratory, rotavirus, E. coli for enteric, and S. suis uh, in the uh, for uh, central nervous system cases but uh, let's go let's start as usual here in the page one of the report which is about detection of PERS RNA over time by PCR from uh, the participating uh, VDLs in this page what we uh, the page starts with uh, a, a collection of uh, plots and uh, uh, what I see here uh, in the plots is is that PERS activity detection by PCR is within the the forecasted uh, levels for this time of the year but then when we look uh, closer here in the plot uh, uh, D of the of the report we see that the activity in winter market is kind of stabilizing that high in that relatively high level and the south farm detection rate is the highest detection for December since 2013 and 14 so it's uh, it, it's it's increasing uh, compared to previous uh, months and, and previous years Giovanni uh, how, how do you interpret that how, what do we take from from uh, the input that you got from our advisory uh, council the advisory council did highlight for us that uh, positive systems has been observing some outbreaks. On the other side, negative systems did not observe increased incidence. There is a field perception that the delayed pump season of the manure has been contributing for increased detection of the virus in some high-dense areas. Additionally to that, we have the reminder from the advisory council that uh, biosecurity measure that were reported in the last report of December the number 22 for observed people movements involving employees, maintenance guys, visitors, feed and animal transportation should be observed and complied with biosecurity measures to prevent the further spread of the virus among the farms. Yeah, so interesting. So if, if I got that right, the the increased uh, activity of, of PERS virus has been in those systems where they're typically stable or has some virus activity going on and they have breaks or re-breaks as opposed to the ones that are naive or negative for the virus. They, they, they still 
at least though the advisory members and what they see, what they hear, they're still negative, right? That's the perception mm -hmm. that our advisory council has. So Cesar, what's your take on that? Uh, based on what you see and what you hear? Yes, and, 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 I, and I pretty much agree with what you're seeing, what, what you're hearing. Um, just to follow up on that last comment, on the biosecurity comment, um, some of you may have seen that we put out a science page maybe a week or two ago and that we talk about those herds that are status four and, uh, and the breaks in that population of herds that we've been seeing, we've been getting some reports of mm -hmm. uh, status four herds breaking. Uh, and we have compared that <clears> through time. And uh, it, it's still reminding us that biosecurity continues to be kind of our, our main challenge, especially because those status four herds most of the time they're going to be located in isolated regions, isolated areas, or low, low peak dense areas. And somehow we tend to drag the virus all the way out there to those herds. So, uh, so I think that comment, I mean, it, 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 it's pretty accurate in the sense that we, we know what to do, but sometimes compliance gets, gets, uh, is not at a hundred percent. And that's when we give this virus the opportunity to, to get to these herds. Mm -hmm. Now, on, on, on what we're seeing from an MSHIM perspective, uh, cumulatively, I think we continue to follow the trend compared to last year, specifically last year. So, so we're at uh, roughly 10.5% of the herds that have reported a break so far. Uh, just to remind the, 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 the audience, last year we ended up with 20% of the of the population of herds in our database reporting a break mm -hmm. well we pretty much reached our, our midpoint and we just completed that that half of that 20 percent so we're kind of following that trend now the interesting thing is as i was listening to to giovanni we we've also heard the manure pumping uh as a factor but also as a as a factor that has delayed a little bit the occurrence of outbreaks. Last year we heard the same thing, even though we kind of crossed our threshold last year pretty much at the same time as previous years. This year we kind of crossed, crossed the threshold again, uh, mid late October, early November. So in some areas there's been some delayed uh, manure pumping, even some late manure pumping. So it's, it's pretty interesting that in those areas, there may seem to be a delay in the presentation of outbreaks again. So, so still, that's a, there's a lot of noise in the data, something that we need to see so far really well. Uh, producers and practitioners and systems are helping us understand this phenomenon, right? But uh, at least from an MSHIM perspective, from a US uh, perspective, Last year and this year, we kind of crossed our threshold pretty much at the same time. Okay, and so based on what you s said there, that there has been kind of, the manure pumping has been delayed compared to last year because of the the rainfall, right? That was uh, um, kind of delayed too. But anyways, the pumping season was, was delayed 
and uh, that's typically associated with outbreaks and also looking at the, the relatively high activity in growth finish animals do we expect to see that the purse incidence is it's still gonna remain similar to what has been last year which was relatively low compared to previous year or are we thinking that the per season is is kind of it's still low in that 10.5 percent but but it's delayed and it's gonna continue to rise uh, beyond the 20 the the 20 some percent that was last year that's a great question and i wish i could have an answer for that um but we what we see is that we kind of reach our max uh, number of cases per week if you will in the sense that our curve when it comes to when we look at our ewma curve it seems that uh, we're already starting to go uh, on a on a decreasing trend when it comes to number of cases uh it's still a little bit early to to conclude that way uh, you know last last year we had a we had what we thought was going to be a decrease but we went up again and then went down uh, to to low levels so who knows what's going to happen this year you know uh even though even though i think we may have reached the maximum maybe at this point there might not be more manure pumping hopefully uh because of, of what the temperature is like so we'll see we'll see if that continues still we continue to get some some reports of outbreaks there might not be manure pumping in those regions in those areas but still the virus is still figuring out a way to get into those herds so i wish i could have a better answer for you but uh unfortunately it's hard to it's hard to predict at this point yeah uh good to good to hear that the incidence kind of has a trend of of going down maybe have reached the plateau maybe have, uh, hopefully that was the case but uh, like you like you said too and giovanni talked about that the activity in growth finish is still pretty high so that's another reminder of biosecurity out there right viruses still out there 44 percent of the the cases coming from wind to finish uh, pigs they tested positive for for purse um, still and uh, so just a, another reminder from the industry to uh, tighten biosecurity and and uh, and uh, even though incidents may be going down virus is still out there and it's a it's a, always good to refresh biosecurity especially at this time of the year right jo giovanni another potential indicator for pers activity is looking at or five or cases that were submitted for or five sequencing right uh, assuming that the more the, the 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 more people send the higher the number of of uh, of cases of uh that people send for r5 sequencing that may reflect or have a correlation with unexpected positive results and therefore wanting to further classify that virus so what 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 can be what type of data do you have here on 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 that uh, area of number of r5 sequencing or rflp data and uh, how does that uh, help with this question of birth activity at this time of the year and going forward? We scan the Iowa State University uh, RF5 sequence data at this moment. Hope that we are going to get the other labs in the near future to this database. 
But what we see during 2019 was that there was a decrease in the number of uh, submissions with success of sequence from 4,400 to 3,900. And that was basically following the similar trend on the PCR detection at national level. That in the beginning of the year, we had less number of submissions that had sequence requests. But now at the end of the year, uh, that we are seeing more activity in the percentage of positive results, we had more sequence with uh, submissions requesting sequence. And among those, we monitor the RFLP types to see if we could find some trends over that. And what we saw was that some RFLP types like the 112.4, the 1.83, and the 1.42 had the major increase in the number of sequence that they got. On the other side, the RFLP 1.84 and 1.44 had similar number of sequence between 2018 and 2019. On the other side, some RFLP types like the 163 that we did had six, uh, 52 sequence in 2018 and was classified as a wild type, we did not recover any sequence in 2019. And the 174 and 252 did, had less sequences in this year. So we asked for the advisory council about those RFLP types and they reported that there is not one of these RFLPs that is associated with major impact as was the 174 when arising in 2013-14 in the US. But we see these trends of increased uh, sequence in one and decrease in the other RFLPs. So in a, in a long story short, this year, 2019, there was less number of cases submitted for our five compared to 2018. That's right, correct. which may indicate uh, a more kind of less number of uh, unexpected positive cases, and therefore people not look uh, going that extra mile to sequence the virus. And like you said, there were some viruses that increased in uh, in prevalence among the RFLPs that were detected, and some that in, um, increased, right? Some 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 changes there, which is expected year over year. Cesar, what, what do you take on that? Any, how can that data from or 5 sequencing and RFLPs and the types that are detected over time, how, how can the veterinarians, producers take best use of this information? What does it all mean? You know, it, uh, that's, a, that's a great question as well. And <clears throat> I think it's obtaining or 5 are, are at least it's a starting point we kind of monitor that as well in that uh, whenever our, our participants they kindly give us the report they give us the the rflps and, and, and the sequences we kind of try to follow that uh, those trends and they, for, for example for this season we see more lineage one uh, meaning 184s 174s mm -hmm. uh, there might be some odds like uh, 112s or 1124s, you know, that they may also fall in lineage one in some cases. So I think it's, it's a way to track uh, diversity. And like you say, these are expected results. The best thing we can do is just uh, try to get a sequence. Um, <clears throat> but what we're starting to see is that the, the, the language is starting to change from an R5 to a lineage. Uh, 
definition kind of thing in that uh, or fives today we can talk about two one seven fours that may be so different so I think by getting to that stage we're going to be able to understand in a better way whether my one eight four is different or not to your one eight four when it comes to unexpected results so I think it's a way of tracking whether the, these are wholly new viruses or just viruses that are within systems that they just bounce back into the into the south herd or or they just don't want to leave the south herd so so we tend to see a little bit of that new newly emerging virus not emerging but uh, these newly introduced viruses to some systems of course within those there might be some some viruses that have some mutations in there so might be kind of uh, responding to what we're doing out there with our immunity, uh, with our immune intervention. So, I mean, it's hard to tell whether this is a reflection of diversity or whether it's a reflection of a, whether we're doing something wrong when it comes to uh, biosecurity. Of course, we know that there's opportunities there, but uh, yeah, that, that's kind of my take, Daniel. I don't know. I don't know. If that helps in the sense that uh, it's kind of sometimes tricky to tease apart or five uh, and the these occurrence. Yeah, like you said, important to keep track and and uh, keep an eye on it and see if something really going up. Then uh, uh, gotta ask the follow up question and further investigate. Right from these databases, maybe hard, like you said, to understand what's clinically relevant, what's not but at least we can uh, start uh, asking what questions to ask uh, and further investigate some specific RFLPs that maybe are on the rise or behaving a behaving little bit different from the other, right? And you said that, uh, talked about the lineages and people also talk about whole genome sequencing and with the technology being improved and prices going down, maybe in a few years we have more information beyond RFLP to further understand diversity over time and, and what is what that all means. Um, uh, also, also the other the other part I know is that uh, the more we we get into the into the specifics of these new uh, newly introduced viruses and try to characterize them, the more we do that and the more we share the data the more tools we're going to be able to have mm -hmm. down the road to try to do a better a better outbreak investigation you know and yeah we could think to ask ourselves where are all these viruses coming from right but the more we get these fingerprints uh with the locations with the dates the more we're going to be able to put this in in the same database and we may be at some point lucky to say hey this virus was found two, three weeks ago, uh, I don't know, 50 miles away. What, what's the epidemiological connection between these two sites? And that's where the discussion needs to go, right? How did that virus end up in our farm? Uh, so I think, I think we're going in that right. direction, I think. Yes, love it. And I just want to make a, a comment here. The advisory council requests us to develop uh, or redesigned dashboards online. So we did that and are available in the SDRS webpage, the, the new format. So everybody's welcome to take a look on that and 
see the new format that's on. Oh yeah, the new format of the world, just uh, reminding the audience, the, the dashboard is at fieldepi.org slash rsdrs. And uh, the dashboard that Giovanni is talking about is the running chart. So it's a dynamic that you the bars uh, change year of, over year so people can appreciate the changes in the uh, prevalence of RFLPs in the database over over time. Okay, all right. Anything else uh, regarding PERS and PERS detection over time? Good to go? All right, so let's flip the page here and uh, let's talk about detection, still by PCR, of enteric coronaviruses. So, Giovanni, what I see here in the plots, in the eight plots, summary of those is that PD, detection of PD and Delta coronaviruses by PCR, uh, it's uh, within the expected uh, for the most part with some uh, signals beyond uh, expected for, for both of those, for, for TGE and Delta coronaviruses. So long story short, there is likely uh, above the expected or within the band, but in the upper level with some, some signals. Uh, can you can you give us a little bit more details on what uh, age groups and uh, and uh, perspective from the advisory group on that? Yes, the highest detection that we are observing right now it's occurring in winter marked uh, cases, and that is basically uh, observed as a sequence of a little spike that we had in October on adult cell farms. The advisory council provided us some inputs that there was some outbreaks but there was also some accidentally contamination of some cell farms due to planet guilt exposure so those animals moved to the field mm. and could have been some of those detection occurring on the other side the advisory council remember us that this is the period of the year that the cold weather could be helping for the virus survivability the winter market farms has low biosecurity compliance when compared with the adult cell farms, so that may be a factor that helps to uh, spread the virus among farms. And we are facing a different trends in the marketing of the animals. Right now, there is a potential short turnaround in the barns due to removal of some additives like ratopamine, some uh, production system that may be contributing for this uh, short period between the uh, removal of the animals and the placement, what difficult mm -hmm. for the uh, cleaning and disinfection of the barns and uh, place the animals on very clean environment. Yeah, those are good, good, good perspectives on those uh, spikes. So again, another reminder of virus circulating mostly in when to finish uh, type of, of pigs and uh, another reminder of of the importance of biosecurity, right? To keep that virus uh, there and, uh, and, and away from there. Any other comments on this page? One, 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 uh, just to follow up on that, um, w when we look at PD, and uh, so we, we continue to see like a low incidence of, of PD as well. One of the things that we like to track is from those herds that break on the MSHIMP fiscal year, we also like to show 
whether they have had some historical break. And today, out of the handful that uh, have reported a break, most of them, except two, have had some historical uh, PED activity. Going back to what uh, Joe Biden is saying, that, uh, that there might be t-shirts located in, in high-dense regions, but also this goes back to, since we know, since at least we get to see the location, not necessarily all of the time we see these breaks in the in the location where there might be some expo plant exposure. We mm -hmm. also see them in random areas, which goes back to the biosecurity point of, if we see these in random areas, that means that the virus must be either we brought it in with a truck or might be in close proximity to these herds. So we go back again to asking ourselves, where is that virus lingering in those surrounding uh, populations to these farms that uh, ends up uh, in on the farm and just creating this break? So we always go back to the same question about biosecurity. Where do we, yes. have, where do we still have the, the opportunity? Uh, so might be, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one as well. Yeah, great comment. All right, so moving on, moving on to the mycoplasma detection by PCR page. Giovanni here, the detection of mycoplasma by PCR is following your uh, forecast uh, plot here. So detection really within the expected range. Any further uh, comment on that? No, we did not have any further input from the advisory council. Yeah, so when I say following the expected, this is in a linear trend uh, to decrease detection uh, over time, uh, which is pre predicted or forecasted by the model for this time of the year. Any further comment on mycoplasma? All right, so let's move now to the last page of the report. Just reminding everyone, the previous pages were about detection of pathogen uh, nucleic acid, either DNA or RNA, by PCR. So that that's all it, all it means, detection by PCR. And now in this four page, in this fourth, uh, the last page, it's about disease diagnosis. So it's beyond just detection. This is based on the what the diagnostician or the pathologist. Um, uh, in the VDL, what he or she uh, assigned as being the cause of that uh, of that lesion, right? And we separate here by uh, physiologic system, respiratory, digestive, nervous, so on and so forth. And uh, long story short, here, Giovanni, I think is that for respiratory diseases, PERS and influenza continue to be the 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 most uh, common, say, bad guys associated with the respiratory cases. Digestive disease diagnosis, rotavirus, uh, is the number one by far, followed by E. coli and salmonella. And a nervous system diagnosis, strep suis, remains to be the number one by far. Some uh, over uh, almost 75% uh, five, five here is... Uh, sorry, 43% of all the nervous diagnosis system is assigned to streptococcus suis, and all the rest is a combination of many other uh, pathogens. Um, 
What else? Was there any signal based on the algorithm algorithms that you monitor for increased detection uh, for any particular disease, or what? What you find? When we scan this database for uh, diagnosis of specific uh, agents, we found signals for PERS and PED on between November 1st and December 15th. So they are also the agents that we monitor for PCR and we see this increased detection of PCR. So looks like there is association between both of the systems here. And besides of that, we did not find any other uh, very relevant major number of signals. Okay. Any any other comments? So I'll, I'll within kind of what you're saying is that within kind of ex expected, right? Right. All right. So I think that was it. One of the I think highlights that we had here today. We discussed a lot in the purse and in the entire coronaviruses page is just the importance of the the role that grow finish sites that they play on the ecology ecology of maintaining those uh, PERS and coronaviruses infection and just uh, another reminding of the importance of tackling that uh, important phase of production to better understand and intervene and bring uh, pressure of infection down in the industry, right? Any other last comments? So thank you again. Thank you, Edison, Giovanni, Cesar, for your for your time, really appreciate it. And that's what we had for the report 23, the swine disease reporting system. And uh, see you next month. See you. See you.